In our gospel lesson this morning, we hear a story of Jesus' incredible heart. A story of Jesus' incredible heart for the lost, for the broken, for the hurting. And and we get a, a glimpse of Jesus' mission, the mission that his father has given him, the mission to redeem and restore the broken and the hurting. And not just the people that we would expect, but sometimes even the people that we would least expect. It's an incredible story. But I think sometimes these stories lose a a piece of their realness for us. A piece of their realness because we've read it before. It's a story in a book and and we forget to to see it as it is and and see it in a way that touches our hearts, that that makes it real, that brings the humanity back to it. Along those lines, um, on my vicarage in Wisconsin, I lived in the parsonage which was, of course, right across from the church, which this was Wisconsin, so it was also right in the middle of the cemetery. So I called my friends to tell them about this, and like, dude, isn't that kind of creepy? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of weird to look out my kitchen window and look at headstones. It's kind of strange. And so I talked about this and about it being a little weird, a little kind of disconcerting, and after the 6.30 service, uh, someone came up to me and says, well, I've got you beat. And I said, I, I don't see how that's possible. She says, yeah, when I was a student teaching in Wisconsin, I don't know what it is about Wisconsin, I lived in a mortuary. You win. <laughs> you know, it used to be that you placed the cemetery right outside the church. So as you were going into church, you literally saw the saints that had preceded you in faith. Uh, faith and you also walked by those those tombstones as a reminder that this was going to be a great place of celebration when Jesus returns and all the dead rise up and walk and live and have new life in Jesus like we all one day are going to have, but that's an aside. But really the point is, this man, this man that Jesus came to encounter, he didn't live in a cemetery where people were conveniently buried six feet under. No, this man that Jesus goes to meet slept in tombs. In those days, they carved holes in the hillsides and in the rocks, and they laid people on slabs to dry and decompose. This man slept there among the dead. This sounds like something out of a horror movie, not something that we read out of the story of the gospel of Jesus. And I think that that sometimes we don't get the full picture of who this person is or or, or what it looked like. A a couple of short verses give us just a glimpse. And so I want to share a a poetic narrative uh, from a book that I read a long time ago that in every time I read this story comes to mind. Uh, But before I go to that story, I need to introduce to you two people. Uh, One, the singer who is Jesus, and two, the world hater, which of course is Satan. A heavy set of chains hung from a great foundation stone that held a towering wall. Manacles hung bolted on the wrists of a burly naked man. He slept, or seemed to. Before him on the ground lay a heavy stoneware basin nearly filled with water and the dried remains of bread half eaten. Is he mad? The singer asked. Senselessly, replied the world hater, 
who brings him bread and water. I do, the world hater replied. Why? To see him dance in madness without a tiny shred of hope. Imagine my delight when he raves and screams in chains. Would you like for me to wake this animal? He is a man. My father made him so. What is his name? The crowd. Why such a name? Because in, within this sleeping hulk, there is a thousand hating spirits from the canyon of the damned. They leap at him with sounds no ears but his can hear. They dive at him with screaming lights no eyes can see. And in his torment, he will hold his shaggy head and whimper. Then he rises and strains in fury against the chains to tear them from the wall. Stand back and watch. We have a heartbreaking scene. A, a scene of a, a garrison man who is bereft of any human community whatsoever, who has no clothes, no home, who sleeps among the dead. In every way, he is unclean, an outcast, completely and utterly alone, except for the demons that inhabit him. The demons that inhabit him and torment him to hurt himself. And so the locals have come out. The locals have come out either for their protection or for his and chained him to try and secure some sort of safety, some sort of protection. It seems like a distant story. Seems like an odd story. Seems like an unreal story. But that story reminded me of a story a pastor from Orlando told. See, he was going through the obituaries, and he came across the name of his best man. He's a young pastor, maybe 35. So he read on in the obituary of this man that he'd known from child, a, a, a man that he grew up with, a man that he'd gone to high school with, a man that he'd gone to college with, a man that stood beside him as he stood before the altar and made his vows to his wife. And the story was that the man had had a psychotic break, that he became mentally ill and ended up on the streets of Orlando in the community where he led a, a church, and he died on those streets. This garrison man is someone's son, someone's brother, maybe even someone's husband or uncle, who's a person, who's a human being, someone whom God created, someone who God loved, someone who had had friends and neighbors that cared for him and loved them at one point in time. And, and now that community has been completely and utterly shattered and this man is alone. Alone and hurting. And Jesus asked, what is your name? The response, legion. Not only has this man lost his status, his community, his relationships, his dignity. But he's only, he's also lost his identity. 
Now he's known only by the tragedy and heartbreak that has become his life. It's a sad, sad story. But sometimes we do that too, don't we? Sometimes that happens to people around us. Instead of people being known by their identity, being known by a name, they become known by what has beseeched them in life. They become known by homeless, foster kid, addicted, alcoholic, cancer patient. Sometimes people in our world become known by the tragedy that has settled in on their life instead of being known as a person. It is a sad, sad story. A story that some people in our community can relate to because there are people in our community who know someone who is like this, a, a niece, a nephew, a child, a, a, a grandchild whose life has spun out of control and it went somewhere where no one predicted, where no one wanted it to go. It is a sad, sad story, but it is about to get quite interesting and hopeful because of Jesus. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. Wherever Jesus goes, Jesus brings hope and restoration. Wherever Jesus goes, he brings healing and life. Wherever Jesus goes, he brings community. He brings people back together. He mends what is broken. And so too also with the body of Christ. Because Jesus, Jesus has given us his mission. Jesus has called us to be part of his work in this world. Jesus has invited us into his work of reconciliation, of bringing hope and healing and restoration. Jesus has invited us to be about what he's about. And, and sometimes it happens in an ordinary ways. Sometimes it happens in miraculous ways as we come before our God on our knees in prayer. And these members of our community, there are some members of our community that there is nothing more that they would want than restoration, than for the situation to be made right, for healing to come down and things be made whole. But that's where our story takes an unexpected turn. An unexpected turn that exposes this sinful side of our hearts, this sinful side of humanity. The sinful side that causes us to ask the question, or do they? Or do we? See, there's sometimes in our lives where we want to say to God, God, stay back, I got this, I'm okay, I don't need your help here. Like we read in the Old Testament lesson a moment ago, there's sometimes that we say to God, keep away, I'm too sacred for you, I'm okay. See, that's what happens in this text. After Jesus has healed this man, and, and Jesus, I want you to picture this, Jesus, the Son of God, the Almighty Creator, is sitting down beside a man. A man who once was stark raving mad because of the demons that were tormenting. And now this man is made whole. 
He's restored, he's clothed and in his right mind, and he's talking with Jesus. And then the crowds come out and they see this. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. Where's the rejoicing? Where's the rejoicing from the people that wanted to help him, that chained him to try and protect him? Where's the rejoicing from the people who brought him food and water? Where's the rejoicing from the people who were formerly afraid of this stark, raving mad man? Apparently, the only thing more terrifying than a burly, naked, crazy man is a visitor from Nazareth. See, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in that region of the Gerasenes, and Jesus shows up in our lives. And when Jesus shows up, he comes to do one thing. He comes to bring change. He comes to bring change as he comes in with grace and love and peace and forgiveness and challenges us to be part of his mission and invites us to let that grace and love and peace flow through us into our relationships, into our lives, into our community, and into our world. So we ask the question, why? Why in the world would they send this man, this Jesus, away? This Jesus who only comes to heal and restore. Why would they send him away? We as people are often afraid of change. Afraid of things being different away. Afraid of the order of things being upset. We like the way that things are. See, there's sometimes that for us as people that the only thing that is worse than a difficult, perhaps even painful present is an uncertain future. And that's what Jesus brings when he comes and he brings change. Change with grace, change with love, change of restoring those who have been broken. Broken by being in the foster system, broken by having addiction, broken by having an illness. Sometimes those relationships are scary. Sometimes that medication is scary as you think about, I don't know if I want to deal with the side effects of this pill that could make me better. Sometimes we're afraid to reveal our hearts and our lives and let Jesus' healing come into us. As I thought about this text, I came across this quote. No physician, not even Jesus, can give health and happiness to the man who enjoys his affliction. For such a man, health and happiness are always a contradictory. Jesus comes to us to bring his healing, to bring his hope, to bring his health into our lives. And I'm amazed at Jesus' patience. 
at Jesus' tenacity. As if you think about this story, Jesus, the man who knows all, got into a boat with his disciples, sailed across the lake, and it wasn't a speedboat. This isn't a 15-minute journey for one guy, for one person, one broken and hurting person that he came to bring hope and healing and restoration to. Knowing full well that he'd get there, that he'd do his work, and there'd be this beautiful, wonderful picture of this man and Jesus talking, restored. And the townspeople would come out and they'd send him away. Jesus invites us to be part of that work. Part of that work of bringing hope and healing and restoration to a hurting world. So that's the question I have for you. That's the question that resonates with me. Who's the one? The one that God has placed in my life for this moment, for this time, that needs the hope and healing of Jesus that I hold within my heart. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a, a son or a daughter that needs to hear those words of forgiveness and love and acceptance from you. Maybe it's a, a neighbor whose only visits are the care workers that come by to see them. Jesus invites us to be part of his mission of hope and healing and restoration. Will you join him? Will you join him in being part of his work in this world? That in our community we may see his kingdom come in even more powerful ways. I continue to be amazed at the patience of Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus waits for us to hear his voice, to let his healing come in our lives, to let his healing come through our lives, that his mission might move forward with us and his kingdom might grow. Amen.